we went there just thinking it was just going to be a jolly up. We're going to go go to Germany, have a laugh, get a few side tops, you know what I mean? Swap with a few players and then come back. Hey, I'm Real Fox and this is my Norwich City story. Norwich was the only team that really uh, wanted me at the time. Long and short of it, I was um, playing for my local team, uh, Whit United in Ipswich, been playing for them as kids, you know, doing a normal Sunday league, Saturday league football. Um, had a few trials for the district, um, didn't get the district team at Suffolk. Um, I had a, a friend of mine, lived a, a directly across the road from me, called Louis Donner at the time. So I used to be always pestering him every day, come on, get me a trial, get me a trial, get me a trial. Um, in the end, I think he got that sick of me knocking on his door every other day that he um, decided to take me down for a trial. Um, at the same time, I then got um, contacted um, through the, uh, a manager and, and the Suffolk FA saying that um, I had trials at Ipswich. So I had to divide between the two. I went to Ipswich for the first two weeks um, they seemed interested, but didn't want to actually tie me down or say anything. So then um, I thought, well, why not? I'll go up to Norwich. Um, went to Norwich, and within two days, they, they said they want to sign me. So the long and short of it is that they paid more interest in it and, and they wanted me more than perhaps Ipswich did at that time. So I decided to sign. I wouldn't say I, I was an Ipswich Town fan. I mean, I, I love football. So at the time, I was probably more... Um, when you do, when you look at the tables, you know, you go for your Man United. So I, was, I was a Man United fan, uh, also a West Bromwich Albion fan. I, I, you kind of look at players where in your position. At that time, I think it was Steve Coppel was playing for Manchester United. And then uh, there wasn't many black players around at that time. So um, I think at the time, West Bromwich Albion had a few black players, Laurie Carroll, Silver Regis, Brendan Batson, uh, Remy Moses, I think was playing. So you kind of, play a football over the park, you attach yourself to a player, you know, pretend to be them. So they were the two main teams, West Bromwich Albion and Man United were my favourite teams. It, it was just loads of fun. I mean, I was, I think I was quite fortunate. I mean, even though it is now, I mean, it, this is a, a family club. And a lot of clubs say they're family clubs, but they don't perform the duties what you would think of a family club, i.e. they look after the players, make sure that the families uh, are comfortable with the players being here. Because at this time, at that time, sorry, I think we had we used to have a, quite an influx of Irish players, you know, and, and players from all over the country coming in. We also used to stay up the road, uh, it's called the Stacey House, uh, for digs. So we had digs and M-Ties where you as, you as you know, Scottish players, you know, Irish players, you know, all sorts of players, all standing in, in, in a, in a dig. So it was important that the club made you feel comfortable. And they did, you know, they, they looked after me. They always made sure, even when I was a schoolboy, um, we had a, a coach, uh, who, who sadly passed away, Ronnie Brooks. 
he was like a father figure to me. I didn't grow up with a father, so he was my first contact with a kind of father figure who I could go to and speak to, you know, and if I felt that I was getting a bit homesick, even though it's just down the road, he would make sure, you know, he'd get my brother to come up and see me or vice versa, my mum would come up or I'd, he'd let me go home for an extra day. So, you know, you remember them, them things. So it was quite easy for me to settle in because we had a, a, a good bunch of players around me. Did Louis Donova feel an extra responsibility while you were coming through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, it was great for him because I, I was the, um, he taught me how to drive a car and everything like that. So it was good. I mean, it was great for me because when, when you're when you're going somewhere, I think when I started coming up, I was 13 years old. So even to that, I, I, was, I was a bit naive about it. You know, I was coming out of an environment where I was quite comfortable. We were very multicultural in Ipswich, so coming here it was slightly different there weren't a lot of it wasn't so cultural so I would say there weren't a lot of black players here so I used to get a little bit of stick here and there so it was important to have us you know Dale Gordon also was 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 a great influence for me and Dale Gordon and Louis Donner you know they both looked after me while I was while I was growing up plus plus a lot of the senior players so they made it a lot easier Gus that like you can give it can you give me this one send this one to me yeah Robert Rosario Robert Rosario Gus that I look about I think I probably would have been about 20, 20 years old there. Again, when I, I hark back about players I used to look after, Rob Rosario, big burly striker, good looking bloke, you know, stunning guy. So whichever way it was, he looked after me on the pitch and he always looked after me off the pitch. So yeah, he was great. You know, I think I was around the same youth setup when he was in that team. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's a good picture that is, Rob Rosario. I think it was Ken Brown gave me a debut. Oh, I love, love the guy, get Ken Brown again. Another, another guy, you know, when I first went there, he was brilliant, you know, he used to take me in his office, have a little bit of banter with me at a young age. So um, I'm always grateful to, to people like that. And Ken Brown, he, he'd always look out for me, always ask me if I, how well I played in the youth team. He'd always, you know, say to me, I'm going to come and watch you this week, make sure you're performing. So we had this kind of, again, a lot of father figure thing where I think he, we had this bond where he used to come up to me all the time and you know even at I'd say even when I got to my pro contract which was quite early for a pro was 17 um, straight away he put me into the first team change rooms where a lot of them stayed you had your section you had a youth team's change rooms so you had your apprentices you have to go into the door knock on the door get their boots clean their boots you didn't really have no contact with them so at 17 he put me into that change room so again it, it was great for me. So he was the one who gave me debut, and I think it was um, Coventry City. Coventry City, I think it was debut. Don't remember much. I just remember running around. So you know, what I mean, it, it's just you hear the fans. You know, you, you're sprinting around. You you get a few touches of the ball. But I think it was a looking back at it. I think it was a good game for him to give my debut. I think I played against one of the old left backs who used to be here, Greg Downs. So I think he was on his way out. So I think it was ideal. You know, he had someone like me who was young and quite quick running at him. So it was a good debut for me. On one hand, you're excited because my progression was quite quick. I went from um, Sunday League football here, then went to youth team. And like I said earlier, you usually go through a progression where from 16 to 18 to 21, you, you go from youth team to reserves. And from the reserves, you might get a thing. I didn't really play hardly any reserve games. I probably played two or three at 17 and went straight to the first team. So for me, it was a big transition. So it's almost like it was sad to me, yep, you're doing well. You know, we've put you ahead of everybody in your youth setup. And then obviously getting a few games and then being 
pulled out. So at the time, there weren't such figures rotating that, but I can understand um, thinking about it now. It was probably a case where he was trying to arrest me, but it, is, it, it was frustrating for me because I felt that I was doing everything correct, but at the same time, you got remember, we still had um, Dale Gordon here and other players here. So I think the time Dale left and went to Rangers, I think then I started to get more regular games. It was probably something that it, it, well, I would probably say it, it, it takes a long time to repeat what we achieved. I mean, because the Premiership just started then as well. So everyone was excited about it. You know, the cameras, it was all new sky and everything else. The interaction with the players was a lot better. So for us, we went, we, I mean, looking back at it, it, it was it was fantastic. But at the time of it, we we never even looked at it as as something special. You know, you do now, obviously you retire and all that, but the the way we play, the excitement of the league and Sky Day thing, it was it was a brilliant season. With the season before that, we, we weren't too good, you know, I think it might have combination with um with a day stringer before that, then it chopped over again. So I think it was a, a transition. I think it the job became to Mike Walker by might be a slight accident in a way, because obviously um, he, I think reserve he was keeper coach and a bit of reserve manager so for him to get pushed into that for the players it gave us a chance then because he was quite open with us so again it, it, it reminded me of Ken Brown and Ronnie, Ronnie Brooks or, or my era we all suddenly had this you know um, no disrespect to any other manager but he started to let bring his reserve players in you know so it had that feel of you know players having a chance again so um, the this, this, this season was fantastic for us you were eight points clear at Christmas. I know, ridiculous, wasn't it? Ridiculous. I mean, pe people um, say it's similar to how Leicester were. You know, I get reminded all the time you have with Leicester. And when, when you look back at it, it was. But at not one time did we... F it sounds weird, but we never thought we was going to win. We never thought... I mean, we was more concerned about going on these runs because we had a bit of a win bonus. So we knew if we kept winning in concession that we would get more bonus money because all the money wasn't, it was good, but it weren't fantastic. So for us, it was just a case of, you know, we were, we were just going out having fun. Every time we went out there, then next week we won a game, won a game. And then it just takes on a rhythm of, you know, you don't fear anyone. It's more teams were fearing us all the time. How much was the win bonus? Not a lot, not a lot, not a lot. I'll be saying that, obviously, it, 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 for us as footballers, it, it, it's, we say it's not a lot, but to the normal people it works. I won't disrespectful and start saying I didn't appreciate the money, but put it this way, sometimes the bonuses were bigger than the wages because, again, we we used to be able to sit down at the beginning of the season, you had a club captain, you had a few of the senior players or the ones who were important, they would sit down with, a, um, with someone uh, from a football club and you'd negotiate what bonuses you got. So they probably said, oh, they'll never get top five. So our top five bonus was probably bigger than our wage, a lot of the wages. So when we got in the top five, it was almost, it, it was happy day for us. But obviously for the club, they were thinking, Jesus, probably can't wait for them to lose a few games. So, it was, so for us, it, it, I mean, it was brilliant. Oh, remember this one, um, Lee Power. We was like the Bostick boys, they used to call us. It was me, Lee Power, uh, Chris Sutton. We used to always hang about together, so we'd be the ones who were giving out the stick at the football clubs. Off off the pitch, we'd we virtually live together. You know, we spent a lot of time, which kind of helped on the football pitch. So yeah, I remember Lee was probably on the on the edges of getting in the team, and I think he just got back in the team against Man City. And I think it was either we had a stint when me and him played up front for some strange reason. I don't know what it was, but um, I just set him up with a goal there. 
Um, so we just coming to some crazy dance. I don't know what it was, but yeah, still keep me touching him. Top man, top man, love him to death, Lee Power. That's an iconic celebration, that. I know, yeah, I know, I know. I think we must have started it off like, but yeah, I mean, that just uh, it just makes me smile looking at it. I've actually got this picture at home. I mean, every game was a pressure game, and I think every game we went to, Sky Cameras are following us, you know, it was all funny games, you know what I mean? We were, we were conceding a lot of goals, but scoring more than the other team. And I think we had was it Villa here, was it Villa here? Yeah, Joel Paulson got the winning goal, but again, Villa had loads of chances, they should have beat us off the park. And I think then after that game, was it Old Trafford? We might, I was it here. No, and I think we, we got a bit of a lesson in football, I think, that, that, that day. I think they had Kachelka, Skiggs, Cantona, Hints, God's sake. I mean, I can remember a few times they were just breaking on us. It was it was a classic counter-attack. And I think then, I think we kind of then realised, I think, um, I think, well, I don't know if we played them at Old Trafford just before that and only just lost it by a single goal, uh, a return leg. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's when we kind of thought, do you know what, maybe maybe people will stop telling us that we're going to win this league. You know, we realised now. We started to think, well, if we finish second, if we finish third, then, you know, which is ideally where we finish in the end. We watched, watched the game, but again, because, and it, it sounds weird, we weren't even concerned about it. We wasn't thinking we wanted to finish in Europe. It was a case where we were just so happy of finishing in a high spot. So obviously we watched the game, but we didn't know the ramifications of it that, you know, if they win, then we, we weren't even looking at, at, at them kind of scenarios. All we were thinking about is, well, you know, we're finishing you know, in a, in a top three, that's great for us. That was our main concern. So, like you said, call it on Europe, that was just an added bonus for us. I don't know what's happened there. <laughs> Norris City uh, at must. Oh, I guess Man United, Cantona, there was a little bit of a scuffle. I think, uh, I think Chris Sutton's in that scuffle. I'm on the outside, staying out of trouble, obviously, height-wise. I'm not really going to get involved with the big fellas, so... I don't know what it was, but it was a little scuffle against Man United. It might have been the game here. It might have been the game here where they eventually beat us. So um, I think there was obviously a lot of pressure on both teams. There was a lot of emotions. So yeah, I do remember that little bundle in the middle of the park. By then, like I said, we've already seen what, what the league had to offer. You know, so for us, it was almost... We was under, well, not, I wouldn't say under pressure, because we'd done so well the season before that. So it was a case of teams were fearing us by then. You know, we all, some of us were getting a bit established. We were getting consistent games on the about. You know, Chris was a young lad just coming to the team. So everything, we had effort, like you said, effort and cook, we signed. So everything started to flow really nicely. Um, and then obviously we had the Europe. So we needed that squad as well. So it, it, again, these European teams didn't really know anything about us because you know, they probably looked at our record and think, well, two seasons ago, they were nearly relegated. So for them, I don't think they really took us too serious such as Bayern Munich. What was that like going into Munich and playing that, that game? It, the, the TV pictures always make it look sort of half empty and, and no one really good. I think, I think because, of the, because, sorry, because of the old stadium, uh, don't forget, I, I think it had a, a track around it. So the atmosphere wasn't that good anyway, but it, it was full up. It was full up. We could see our fans clearly there. It was full up. But it, again, it, 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 I keep remarking back, it just felt like a normal game for us. We, we went there just thinking it was just going to be a jolly up. We're going to go go to Germany, have a laugh, get a few side tops, you know what I mean? Swap with a few players and then come back. So again, I think it was more the other teams kept underestimating us. We were just thinking, you know, we'll just keep going as far as, until we blow up. Oh, that's a good one again. Um, chasing Jeremy Goss after his um, goal against Bayern Munich. 
classic picture. I mean, like you said, it, he, he, he can he can dine on that for the rest of his life, Gossy. I mean, he, he, you know, I still see him now. I mean, everyone loves him. You know, he's such a such a nice, humble guy as well. So thoroughly deserved, and you know, it's, it brings a smile to your face seeing that picture of him. Whose shirt did you get? Can you remember from the home leg? I can't remember if it was uh, Mateus. I can't remember. Had a two on the back. Did I've still got it, but it's, it's framed up now in a in a glass frame. I think he was a Brazilian. I think he was a Brazilian, yeah. I can't, I can't, Adriano, I can't remember his name. It was brilliant. I mean, again, because of the season we had before, the support, look, the support's always been brilliant. I mean, and for, for, that was probably one night your hairs at the back of your neck stood up. It was quite an emotional, especially after the game, it was kind of thing, once we got back to the changers and then we all realised there was a few tears that, you know, I mean, obviously you got your joy there, but I think you sit there and the adrenaline starts to drain from you, then you kind of get a little bit emotional because you think, do you know what, we've just beaten Bayern Munich, who have never been beaten at their ground up until the time, you know, who probably still fancy beating us here. But, you know, and, and what we're talking about, the world, world-class players I had there, they're worth more than us on paper by, by far. Oh, that's the one, Bayern Munich. Yeah, that's the one. We uh, beat him in the second leg at, at Cairo. Got to swap tops with um, with the right back. And I think my mates were just um, near the tunnel then. So I was waving to me mates. And all I could, all I could see them gesturing to me to give me their top, give me, give me my top to them. So yeah, that, that's a, I've got that picture again. Iconic picture. Happy memories. Jorginho, I think his name was. Yes, Jorginho. Yeah, I knew it was Brazilian. Yeah, Jorginho. Yeah, so I've still got that framed at the moment. It came down, do you know what it was like, Soldier? It was one of them ones where you was, we were slowly hitting our peak. And I think by the time we got in, we're now at a different level. And I think we're talking about fitness levels and everything else here. Don't forget, we, like I said, even though our fitness levels are good, compared to, we was always playing the catch-up at them times with the European teams because they'd done things differently, you know, they had fitness camps. And that, that shoe off of that game, I mean, we, we stuck with them through I'd say most of the game and then it, it got to around the hour mark and you could see they were getting fitter and fitter and fitter and we were just slowly dropping you look back and now there's not a lot you could do about it you know what I mean it wasn't a case where we would where we weren't trying hard enough I think it just came down to quality and fitness in the end all of a sudden the emphasis was on, on, on Norwich City Football Club then because it was a case of well hold on a minute we've now given you something that you never expected what you get, what you know, what, what's the next step for the club? Because oh, there's going to be interest from clubs, which is how it, how it ended up being. You know, there's going to be clubs looking at who they think is the high pro, profile players. You know, so it was a case of Norwich City either broke their pay structure or you know, or or, or they went to buy someone which weren't which is way above their level, and it coincided with them saying, "Well, look, we're at our peak. This is where we are." We can't go any higher because we want to keep the structure, which is a, a, a brave and a fair point for them to make. I thought it was quite premature, but again, I'm, I wasn't there when he was having a conversation with the chairman because he might have, he might have done... I remember I was, I was coming out in the press at the time and so was quite a few of the senior players because we knew at the end of the day we had a few senior players there who had probably had two or three, two seasons in them. So for me, as a, I would say I was in the middle... 26, 26. So for me, I was coming to my peak. So I want to see the Mark Robbins coming, the Ephraim Cooters. I want to see a progression and uh, some more quality players coming in. Because you got to remember that up at that time, you know, you got your Mark Burns, Ian Crooks, and all these players. We had um, Butterworth, Brian Gunn, and uh, Rob Newman. All these players were in, come up, they were either coming, in, coming up to, towards their 30s. 
So for us, we was looking at the bigger picture and the club was probably thinking, well, you know, we can't afford to be buying five, six, seven players, which is probably a conversation he had with Mike. So it then ended up with him getting an offer from Everton and, and trying his luck there. Do you remember when he told you he was leaving? Do you remember what happened? Yeah, it was quite brief. <laughs> it was quite brief. John Deere was his sister. I think John Deere was the one who came in and told us. He said that uh, Everton had approached him. He's gone up there to speak to him. And that was quite quite a brief conversation. You know, we looked at we was in shock. But at the same time, we had Dave Williams and John Deere who were who had a big input in for how the club was developing and who got in the team. So it wasn't a case where Mike was was running the whole setup. You know, uh, Mike. Uh, sorry, Dave Williams, John Deere had had a big input as well. So it wasn't panic station, but it was disappointing, obviously. Straight after, again, I, I wasn't kicking up any fuss. I was I was happy where we were. You know what I mean? I'm, we had a great, great setup here. We were, we were a great family. All the players hung out together. You know, everything. We, we was quite comfortable. Well, I was as well. So um, I hadn't heard nothing. I think I was at home one day coming into train driving up to come to training and I got a, a call off the chairman and um, Robert Chase at the time and he said um, he said I'll oh, um, just let you know um, we'd like to offer you a new contract would you come in and I thought well strange I just signed one so I went in and, and, and then all of a sudden the story comes he said oh by the way we want you to sign a contract but Newcastle are coming for you so it was kind of well you're telling me one thing, but now you're telling me another thing. So it's the kind of thing where, which is fair enough, he gave me the choice. He said, look, they've come in for you. They've, they've made a, a substantial bid, which we might accept. But if you don't want to go, let us know. But we'd like you to sign a new deal. So I was kind of thinking, I said, well, I'm happy with the deal I've got. I'm not being big-headed. I was one of the highest paid players there anyway. So I don't think they were going to give me any, any more money than I was getting anyway. So it was a case of, do you want to speak to Newcastle? So I thought, well, he's... He's almost given me the choice to do it. So that's, that's how it ended. I, I went from going to training to turn around, going back to Ipswich, packing my bags and getting on a plane to, to fly out to Newcastle to go speak to Kevin Keegan. It just happened so quickly. Didn't even get to say goodbye to him because again, it, it, it happened so quickly. I was always in shock because one minute I'm coming at the train, next minute I'm turning my car around. I'm obviously phone my mate Chris Sutton if you ever say, look, you know, but he, he he told me to keep it quiet. So, because at the initial, I was just going up there to talk to him. So, as far as I was concerned, nobody knew about it. And then, the only time I knew that, that they'd obviously let the story out, the time I got to Stansted, um, all the press were there at Stansted, and they all were phoning me up saying, Robert Chase just said that you've turned down the contract and you want to go talk to Newcastle, which is a little bit over-exaggerated, but, you know, it, it, it happens in football, you know. So I ended up going up there, speaking of Newcastle and because the offer was so big and they sold the club to me massive club I didn't end up even coming back to get me gear I just stayed up Newcastle so that was quite quite a strange way to leave a club but you know it, it happens in football I was just coming towards the end of my career and I was hovering her and whether to retire because I've been quite fortunate I played at the highest level I never really had any injuries I didn't really need to stop I just kind of started falling a little bit out of love with it I think I had a up and down time at Tottenham uh, towards the end of my career. So I, I, I got a call from, um, again, ex-teammate Gary Megson. He said, oh, would you like to come up? And I was saying, well, no, I'm not too sure. Ended up persuading me to go up there, you know, sold the club to me, told me, you know, what he was trying to do with the players and stuff and would, would like to have me there as an experienced player. So again, me going up there, it then reminded me, I thought, oh God, West Bromwich Albion. 
So the the key factor for me to go in there was obviously I'm, I was a fan of Westbourne growing up. One of my idols was Cyril Regis. And then when he told me that Cyril Regis was still part of the club, he was still helping out, then it was a no-brainer. Got straight in the car, drove up there, um, sorted out, um, signing for West Brom. And straight away, first question was, where's Cyril Regis? Just wanted to meet him, wanted to meet the guy. I brought me, and I even got a, an old West Brom and Jalvian book for him to sign. So, you know, it was a great ending, I would say, to my footballing career. Growing up as a, as a young lad, like I, I spoke about earlier, um, it's no beating around it. It was a lot of racism around, you know what I mean? I was a black player. There was racism here. There's racism wherever I played, you know. And it, it was, it, we was a minority then when it comes to football, you know. I remember being 13, 14, getting abused all around Norwich when I used to play all the time. But it was lucky. It, it kind of, I brushed it off in a way because it was a case where I let my football do all the talking. Plus, my brother used to come along and fight everyone on the pitch, <laughs> which got me in a lot of trouble, got the club in a lot of trouble. But... I, I had people look at, look, look, looking after me in, in, in a good way. So, so for me, looking up to someone, you always everyone's got their idols. So for me, at the time, there weren't a lot of black players playing um, at the high level until I used to then see uh, Silver Regis, Brendan Batson, Laurie Cunningham, great player Laurie Cunningham, you know, Remy Mose and all that. So you, you, you get attracted to it. So I was fortunate enough to have the yellow and green stripe tops as well that he used to wear. So for me, you know what I mean, it, it was great to meet someone that inspired me to, to play football. And that's the first thing I told him when I, when I went up to West Bromwich Albion. You're in the Hall of Fame here. How, how special is that for you? I'm, I'm very proud of it. I'm, I'm very proud. I mean, like I said, for, for a, a lad off the, off the Ipswich estate, I still go back there now. I'm still part of the estate now. So I'm quite a humble guy, you know. I'm not really into all this glam and everything like that. I, you know, I, I still got my same friends from school. So so for me to be accepted at such a, a, a big club like this, as in the Hall of Fame, I, I'm quite proud. It's, it's proud for me, you know. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you an example. This is the only club that I come back to regular and watch football and keep an eye out for them all the time. You know, like I said, I know I harked at the beginning saying I'm, you know, I'm a supporter of, you know, football, West Brom, Man United. You know, I'm, I live in Ipswich. So, I, you know, I watch out for their results. And, I, you know, it's a shame the way they go. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's just great to be recognised as, as, a, as a something that's done quite, quite well, I would say, at a football club. So I'm very honoured and humbled. They tried to get me back a couple of times. I think just when I was leaving, between me going to West Brom, um, when I left Tottenham, I just thought myself, it, it, returning back to a club's a, a big thing. It's, it's a big thing because the players, not just the players, the club, the fans, they remember you as, as the player you were. And I was a little bit, I was thinking, well, hold on a minute, I'm, I'm not the same player, you're not gonna be, I'm not going to be tearing up and down the wing, I'm now, I think I was 32, 33, I was thinking, you know, you're going to get a different type of player. But I just felt that I'd been here, God's sake, from childhood, don't forget, I'm talking nearly 10 years. So for me, that, that you know, I felt that I've done enough at this club and in some capacity, I would, I would have probably like to have come back in some sort of course. But at the time, I just felt it, it, the time would, would have been all wrong. Rubbish. <laughs> I'm, I'm better at eating than I am. I am running a restaurant. I'll put that down. I, I had a restaurant there. It, it was all right. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed that at the time. Uh, looking back, you know what I mean? There's no point in having regrets, but it's not something I would go back into, put it that way. 
And how about Witten United? Where you started, where you are now? Uh, yeah, started at Witten United as a kid, got discovered there. I now run my fitness camp, my boot camps at Witten United Football Club. I've been chairman at Witten United Football Club since I've retired. I still play for the veterans team with um, Kieran Dyer, Titus Bramble plays for them. So we've got a bit of a decent vets team as well. So um, yeah, I love it. I love it. I like a time. I'm a humble guy. I'm, 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 I'm always going to be an interest guy. Um, I'm from Witness State. I still live there now. I go back there all the time. And that's, that's where I feel most comfortable. Your Norris City hero. Oof. I'd have to say, without really thinking too much into it, um, depends what hero as, in, as I looked up to or I played with. Anyone to do with your time here? My time here, I would say the the player would be Ian Crook. I mean, I wouldn't say it wouldn't go down the hero route, but I think with with me being a team, he helped me develop uh, as a player because without his passes, I wouldn't I wouldn't even be after a player. So Ian Crook, I would put down in that hero type category. Tell us something we don't know about your Norwich spell. Oh. <laughs> oh, I can't say a lot on camera, but um, something nice. Tell us something we don't know about you, Norris Bell. I don't know. I don't know. Can I pass? You can pass. Can I pass? You can pass. When did it nearly end early for you at Norwich? I think at the time, I would say when I first got on the team. When I first got on the team, um, and then I, I got what they called now uh, rotated or rested. But again, it, it was frustrating for me because I didn't have no explanation. I felt I was playing well. So I, I was, I, I, I probably would have, I would have said, I would have left before the the first premiership started, which would have been the 92 season. I might have left before that. Uh, even before that, I was playing for the North City youth team and Ajax approached me. So I had a couple of opportunities to leave then, but decided to stay. Thankfully. Right, next question. Your favourite North City moment or memory? It's got to be Europe, isn't it? It's got to be Europe. It's got to be um, playing against Bayern Munich. Who do you miss and why? <laughs> I miss everything. I mean, there's not a particular person I miss. I think you miss the actual football. You miss the actual community of football. You miss the players. You miss the banter. You, it's because it, it, it's, it's a community. And like you said, when you're around players, you're, you're almost like robots. You come in, you're told what to do. You're kind of spoiled in a way. And it's hard to adjust to it when you first retire. Uh, as you've probably seen, there's been a lot of um, quite sad things with mental health and all that. I'll put it down the same category as when people are in the army. Because you're used to being around your own type of people all the time. And even though it's fun and everything, all of a sudden, it's almost like you're starting your adulthood again. When you leave football, you've got to start adjusting. So I would I would say it's not so much who I miss is it's more the actual actual uh, environment of football I miss the most. Who don't you miss? <laughs> oh God, that'd be horrible. That means I don't like the person, does it? Um, no, no, no. I, it, it it sounds a little bit, but I don't. I don't. There's no one that I, that I don't really miss. You're nice that you you'd regret. Um, I wouldn't say a regret. I would have loved to have seen if we could have pushed on any further because it's nice, like like we did in Leicester. It's, it's nice having that 
recognition of doing well and people saying you've got a great set with the team and we proved a lot of people wrong people who were spending 10 times as much money as us so it'd be nice to see whether we could have just had a little try for an, another season before we all start to break up as a as a squad next one what's the grass greener um i'd say yeah i'd say yeah i think um newcastle was a brilliant step up for me. You had Kevin Keegan there, Terry McDermott. So the type of football they played was Liverpool-style football, which was attacking, entertaining, never got asked to defend once. So I was more than happy with that. You know, I played with some great players, you know, Andy Cole, Peter Beardsley at Newcastle. Then I went to Tottenham and played with David Ginola, Les Ferdinand, Teddy Sheringham, the names go on. So when you're playing along that and, you, and you know, you get that recognition, you, you can't regret it. You can't regret it. So no, no regrets. And the grass... Was slightly greener, I'd say, slightly greener. Uh, your message to the Norwich City fans. Um, message to the Norwich City fans was, uh, I've always been appreciated, even though I'm from the other end, I wouldn't say where. Um, you've always accepted me, you've been great from when, even when I was a child, um, up until adulthood. Um, I've always been made welcome here, like coming here today. Um, so I'd like to say thanks to all the, fra all the fans. I love you a lot and hopefully we'll have a lot more successful season at Norris City. Chris Sutton, because he loves talking. I've seen all these Instagrams. He's a guy who's gone from not talking to anyone when he was at a football club. You can't get him off the screen now. So yeah, put him here. Let him talk here.